Welcome to the On and Off the Podium podcast. I'm Wendy Higdon, and you're listening to Episode 2, Beyond Embouchure, Creating Resonance in Tone Quality. As we work with our students on a daily basis, one aspect of their playing is in constant focus, and that's the aspect of creating a sound that is resonant, vibrant, and has characteristic tone quality. Beyond that, we want a tone quality that matches throughout the section and throughout the ensemble. And the reason why we spend so much time on tone quality is that it's a factor of our playing, a fundamental skill of our playing that drives so many other things that we do. We can't balance our band. We can't blend our sound. We can't even play with good intonation without creating a characteristic sound that matches through each section and across the ensemble. That's why tone quality is so crucial to everything that we do as we're working with our students. One of the things that we know as band directors is that if our students can play with great fundamentals of sound, that's going to transfer to all of the music, all of the literature that you're, you're doing, and it's going to create stronger performances. I think most of us are really adept at examining embouchure and examining breath support and airstream as a fundamental piece of developing tone quality. And those are the, the areas that we kind of automatically go to when we hear an issue with a student's tone. We look at the embouchure, we make sure that everything is set up correctly, we examine the breath support that's being used and the, the inhale and the exhale. But once all of that is well established, then what do we do? How do we continue to refine our student's sound? How do we continue to tweak it so we get exactly what we're looking for? Well, first I think we need to examine exactly what sound is. When we're talking about any kind of sound, whether it comes from a musical instrument or anything else, sound simply is vibration. Anything that gets in the way of or impedes those vibrations is going to result in a sound that's not as pure, it lacks clarity, it lacks maximum resonance, because the vibrations are limited. We know if a student has issues with their embouchure, if there's any kind of tension there, uh, that's going to impede those vibrations. If the airstream is too slow or too fast, that's also going to get in the way of great sound. But that next piece is the vowel shape, what's happening inside the mouth. And that's what we're going to kind of focus on a little bit more in depth today. So our vowel sound or our vowel shape really is what we use to refer to the shape of the oral cavity. And on any instrument you want to use the vowel shape that is going to create the most resonance on the instrument. And it's not the same for every instrument. And so it's very, very important that we define this for our students and maybe even uh, do a little bit of experimentation with a couple of different vowel shapes as we set this up for our, our, our kids so that they can see and they can hear the difference as they adjust that vowel shape while they're playing. This idea of vowel shape is so critical that Really, no musician should create a sound on their instrument without first thinking about the vowel shape. Now, brass players are, are generally accustomed to thinking about vowel shape as a way of changing between partials. 
brass players know that in order to get a higher partial, they need to change their vowel shape, uh, perhaps to an E vowel shape. If they're trying to get a lower partial, they might think more of an O. But woodwind players need to think about vowel shape as well. And, and that's a place where we don't always give those woodwind players the, the instruction and the information that they need in order to create their best sounds. Now, as we get into specifics with vowel shape, I will kind of preface my thoughts with, with a disclaimer that there, there doesn't seem to be universally agreed upon vowel shapes for every woodwind instrument. Uh, there's a lot of differences of opinion out there, and that's okay. This is a, an opportunity for you as the, as the teacher to find out what works best for you and best for your students. For my woodwind players, I use an OO vowel shape for flute and oboe. Clarinet, we use an E vowel shape. And for saxophone and bassoon, I use an O vowel shape. And we'll kind of go through each one uh, individually and, and talk about that. So let's start with clarinet. Because the E vowel shape, or the, that voicing, is probably the most commonly agreed upon one of, of the woodwind instruments. And, you know, just about any clarinet expert that you're going to talk to advocates for that E vowel shape. Um, notice when you say the E word that the the tongue is arched high in the oral cavity, and that really helps to create the characteristic sound of the instrument as well as keeping the pitch in tune. You can often um, identify students with an incorrect vowel shape or incorrect voicing on clarinet because the, their pitch is very flat. So that's a good thing to check as you're starting your young musicians. It really does help to keep the pitch in tune. With our other four woodwind instruments, flute, oboe, saxophone, and bassoon, you'll notice that both the oo vowel shape and the o vowel shape are very rounded. Um, in other words, we're creating a lot of space in the oral cavity so that there can be lots of resonance. Really, that's what we want. That's what we're looking for, is we're, we're creating a chamber in which the vibrations can resonate. Now, as you're working with your young woodwind players on vowel shape, uh, keep in mind that this isn't really something that you can see. It's something that you have to hear. It's something that you have to listen for. And one way to do that is to have students vocalize a variety of, of vowel shapes, um, of vowel sounds, and then recreate this on the instrument. And, and what does it sound like when my vowel shape is an oo? What does it sound like when it's an o? What's it sound like when it's an e? What does it sound like if I do an ah? And you can start to hear those differences in the quality of sound as the vowel shapes change. I think this is a good exercise both for you as a teacher and for the students to begin to identify uh, what you like in terms of vowel shape, what's going to create the most resonance and the, the most vibrations on the instrument. Uh, it really gives us a basis for comparison, uh, comparing apples to apples. You know, if one student changes the vowel shape on their instrument, how does that change the overall sound quality? Another exercise that you can do with students is to have them sound a, a tuning note or a note that's pretty stable in tune and first match vowel shape. Everybody's creating the same vowel shape. So all the flutes, for example, are playing maybe an A and 
using that ooh vowel shape, and then have some students break off and change the vowel shape. And I think you're going to find that that note begins to match much, much less. Uh, it, it also sometimes will even begin to sound like it's a little bit out of tune. Um, and it really is that voicing or that vowel shape that we're talking about. Now, a few moments ago, we mentioned brass players and this idea that as brass players change partials, their vowel shape will change. With the, the brass instruments, that's absolutely critical. The notes will not speak in the correct partial if the students aren't following through with that change in vowel shape or voicing. Um, woodwind instruments do not change vowel shape as frequently as brass players do. Uh, for most of the range of the instrument, it's going to remain pretty stable and pretty steady. What I do find with my woodwind players is that as we get into extreme ranges, that's where we start to see some tweaking of the vowel shape, some slight adjustments. For example, as the clarinet gets up into the altissimo register, you're going to want to start to kind of tone that vowel shape down just ever so slightly from an E, maybe just starting to, to resemble a little bit of an ah vowel shape, just so that we don't get that strident brightness in the altissimo register uh, that so many of our students play with. But it's again, it's a tweak to the vowel shape with young saxophone players as they get down into the, the very low end of the saxophone, those low Ds and, and Cs and, and Bs on the instrument. I find if we, we switch to a little bit more of an aw, like an A-W vowel shape, that really helps those lower notes to speak. Um, so we're going from an O to an aw. Just that slight tweak really helps those lower notes to speak clearly. One of the questions I sometimes get is, well, you know, at what stage of the development do you introduce this vowel shape concept to your students? And I do it in the first year. I really feel like once our airstream is established, once our embouchure is established, once we have articulation happening in a, a consistent and correct way, then we really can introduce this concept. I do take an approach with my beginners that um, I don't want to give them too much information. I don't want to overwhelm them. Certainly this concept of vowel shape is not beyond their understanding. It's something that they can do, but it is something that we need to spend time on and we need to work on. Um, so I would say, you know, within the first month of playing, maybe six weeks uh, is where I, I will really start to dive in and, and, and start to refine this vowel shape and, and help make it happen for the students. It's certainly not something that has to wait until they've played a few years to introduce and to start to work on. As I close today, just a quick recap of some ideas from today's podcast. Working on our students to refine their tone quality is an important next step after the fundamentals of embouchure and breath are well established. And we can do that through working to match the vowel shape that the students are using as they play. It helps us to refine the tone, it helps us to get more clarity and resonance in the sound, and it also helps the students to match one another in their sections and across the ensemble. Help your students to be aware that they should never be creating a sound on their instrument without first thinking of vowel shape as they're playing, 
and that they should always be using the vowel shape that creates the maximum amount of resonance for their instrument. I think if you spend some time on this fundamental concept, you're going to hear great results in your students' tone quality and playing. Thank you for joining me today. This is Wendy Higdon, and you're listening to the On and Off the Podium podcast.